Yesterday, we had 10 downloads. Today, already, we have three. The latest episode has already six downloads. It's pretty good. That's wild. Dude, we're like we're like performing for like a medium-sized karaoke bar here. <laughs> right? Isn't that isn't that kind of the feel? There's like, you know, 30 people in there, so kind of talking. They're listening to us, doing a little open mic night, and you know. No one's walking out. People are kind of coming and going. There's a dude from North Carolina in the corner. I don't know what he's up. Welcome, everybody, to the Middle Brow Culture Warrior. We're very excited to be back here with you. My name is Danny Kelly Stallings. I'm here with Pete Gamble. Hi, Danny, and you're so welcome. Oh, yes. Well, that's what I do. Do you remember when you were younger and you had to work on your phone voice, like your phone manners? This is going to tie into my news story, but answering the phone and being like, hello, may I ask who's calling? Thank you. One moment, please. Like, <laughs> did your parents ever, like, get audio? Like, you got to answer the phone better than sub. You know, yeah, but... yeah. Can I take a message? Because I represented the entire family on mm-hmm. the phone, which is a mistake at any age yeah anyway so pete we have our first listener from overseas and i thought it might be my buddy from sweden or maybe somebody from europe that i know or one of our friends who was traveling but no see if you can guess where our first overseas listener is from the ardennes of belgium no our first overseas listener is from russia oh really oh no yeah so it's probably somebody who's dragnet looking at the internet for mentions of putin of which we have several yeah i've got one today yeah and i've got another little hit job on russia to do today so we'll see what happens if we get another listener or two from russia as a result of this but pete let's dive into the news so what we're going to do is we're going to talk about three items pete's got two i've got one and at the end we'll do a little bit of whimsy just to round out the show danny's always got some whimsy for us i got a little whimsy such an optimist so pete let's start with you what do you got for us today Okay, you realize that Putin is now winning this great timeline war that we're in with Ukraine. And after Tucker Carlson had gone to Ukraine and then Trump said Russia should just go ahead and invade, etc., etc., you realize, like, this is all kind of breaking up, right? Even if Trump doesn't win and doesn't do that, like, the United States just can't be as taken seriously as it once was, Mm -hmm. right? Like, just as this rock-solid, oh, yeah, I mean, we're certainly going to fight the Russians, right? I mean, Hollywood and the American government should be so excited that they have this particular storyline to go on. Everybody was tired of the terrorist storyline. You can have a whole new season of just Russian. We can have subs. We can have dogfights with airplanes. We can do all the Top Gun stuff now. But instead, the United States seems to be balking. And it got me to thinking about something. Do you know that with you and I in our generations, we were young at the time when I think America reached its absolute peak power and influence in the world. Would that be like Desert Storm 92 or yeah, something? Yeah, like 89 to 95. Mm-hmm. I think right then was absolute peak America. You don't step a toe out of line. Saddam Hussein, crazy bastard who we think has massive weapons capacity, you're going to go take this tiny nation of Kuwait? Nope. No, you're not. We're going to stick up for Kuwait. I read he's now the head of the CIA. Saddam? No, this guy, William Burris, he was Deputy Secretary of State. I read his biography. It was so good, his autobiography. And he talks about the beginning. It's like 19 19- 90 or 1991 and they're going through one of the peace accords in Israel or something and it's like the United States is invited to show up and you know why? It was out of respect. <laughs> like they have no business. It's just the United 
United States just shows up and has a seat at every table in the world. Uh-huh. And that was like in my lifetime. And I realized, oh my God, I'm now seeing the decline. This is what it looks like when it hits its peak of its own power. I'm not saying the United States as a nation is in decline or anything is particularly bad, but it's like, it's certainly fading as a power. It's no longer as powerful as it once was. And we were living through it. And it got me to thinking about it. Sorry to interrupt. You, you think that the George H.W. Bush era, roughly, Reagan, George H.W. Bush was the pinnacle of American power in terms of foreign policy. Oh, no. I'll, I'll put Clinton in there, too. Yeah, Clinton. And okay. Bill Clinton. I think it did the same thing. And Matt, especially since the three of those foreign policies are oddly very similar. Mm. There's such little difference. I remember in the 90s that being a very like highly polarized time and Rush Limbaugh was coming out and it was like all this stuff. Like, dude, even presidents then were pretty much in sync. There wasn't anywhere near we should get out of NATO. A president saying that would have just been absolutely unthinkable to me. Things change, right? The United States is not what it once was. But it got me thinking about like how big a moment do you think that is? In the history of the United States, you have these huge turning point moments, you know, like it's founding or the Civil War. I think one that people don't appreciate was the invention of railroads. There's this great quote by Emerson. When he saw railroads, he was like, the idea of distance has vanished. We can move something anywhere across this country. Mm -hmm. And it was just baffling to people. And I wonder if this is as big a moment as that was or if this eclipses that. And I think that... When you say this, you mean the decline of American... The peak and then the early decline of... Okay. The moment we have lived through most of our lives. I'd say from 1985 until right now. Mm -hmm. This is the dawn of the digital age and it is the rise and fall of America as the definitive world leader. No, you're right. And the digital age lends itself to decentralization of power and eliminates the narrative of... Do you think that's connected? Oh, absolutely. I was talking to somebody today, just today, about how nowadays there's no such thing as like a mainstream in culture. It's so decentralized. It used to be that you could go to Camelot Records and anything you could buy in that particular store could reasonably be classified as mainstream. Or you would have like, oh, there was actually something called The News that was delivered by an anchor, sort of a Walter Cronkite. Three networks. Or other anchor that fits right into that Walter Cronkite archetype. And you had a kind of monolithic version of truth and power and I think the internet just shreds that not only for culture and whatever is left of the mainstream but also in the foreign policy department. I think you're right. I think it's everything and I think that when it's happening people don't recognize it. Then they say oh my gosh it's going to change everything and I think what they mean by that is their personal interactions in the world which it doesn't really change. Mm -hmm. It changes like the entire culture and you're so swept up in it you don't even notice. And I was trying to think I was talking to my daughter who is eight and she was asking me about phones and what phones used to be like you had to have a phone manners and I was like Mm -hmm. explaining it to her Mm -hmm. and it's it was a long time ago and I'm old and I'm not creeped out by saying like yeah you don't really know what a phone is right you were born well after the smartphone had been invented to go from that to where we are now it's weird that our generations both the X and probably the millennial have lived through that exact time cut I remember when there was nothing and I only remember it now mm-hmm. and I remember when the United States was everything mm-hmm. and here it is now very little mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or less I'm wondering how unique this is you know it happened and it's still happening to Britain and the Brits can't accept it they're like we were the greatest empire yeah, right? they are in really the world not take it. and they can't believe and accept that they're not anymore and that's probably what we're going through in slow motion right now is our declining power we have to stop and recognize it but we can't we'll never really accept in our lifetimes that 
America's power has diminished in a very significant way. There was an event that signaled the end of British rule, and it's the Suez Crisis. Do you remember this at all? I didn't. No, I don't. It's from like 1957 or something, and the Suez Canal, this like leads into part of Israel and Egypt and what's being formed there, and the British are ready to invade, but instead the United States just negotiated directly with Russia and just split up the area and came to a treaty and just cut England out of all the negotiations and everything and just told them to stand down and England just did hmm. right and it was like that's it you guys aren't even at the table yeah it's over for you sorry is this crisis and here's the thing it wasn't the end of World War II it wasn't the Berlin airlift it was the Suez crisis a the thing that you don't even hear anymore and it was like the definitive moment and I just wonder if when Trump gets up there and says hey I think for NATO countries that don't pay Russia can do whatever the hell they want to them. Mm -hmm. I think like that's basically the Suez crisis in a nutshell. Like the minute that happened, Europe just turned to each other and started going, okay, what are we going to do? We're going to have to get this all figured out on our own now. And it's like, man, that's not good for the United States. It's good for them to need us. But I don't know that it's going to be Europe. It could be some beefed up on steroids version of the BRICS, Russia, China, Axis, Iran, maybe. It's not enough consumers. You need customers in a marketless economy like this. You need Europe and China. India could do it. India, yeah. You know, you're never going to get Russia and all those guys, Russia, North Korea, Iran. Like those guys are all heavily armed, but together they have the economy of Eugene Oregon. <laughs> You know, it's like they're, they're not prepared for us, right? They're not prepared for us to grind them into bits. But man, I don't know. India, they start buying their own stuff and they stop importing Hollywood movies because Bollywood's better and the studio system here is inherently broken and just redoing worse and worse Marvel movies all the time. Man, we're ripe to be undercut. <laughs> getting cut out of the picture, getting Suez Canal. Yeah. So speaking of Trump, I've got a little item for us here, Pete. I've been kind of reflecting on the fact that every piece of news seems to be about either Donald Trump or Taylor Swift. <laughs> and I read about a concept that I'd like to get your take on as a, as a news guy. And that's the concept of news inflation. There's some historian whose name is Daniel Borston. Have you heard of this guy? I haven't. Okay. He wrote a book in 1962 that was called The Image. And he talked about, quote, the thicket of unreality which stands between us and the facts of life. Now, that sounds like something that would be said today, not something that would be said in 1960. I like that. I follow that completely. Yeah, just like the veil of bullshit that prevents us from getting news that actually matters. Yeah. And so his theory was basically that news has expanded or inflated to meet the medium. So he goes back to 1690 when the first newspaper in the United States was published and it offered news once a month. Then in the early 1800s, there was this massive newspaper boom in the United States. In 1820, there were 24 daily newspapers in the USA, but by 1850, there were 254. So that means 10 times as many newspapers, which means 10 times as much news, minus all the duplicate stuff. And a lot of this was theorized that was because of decentralized government and a huge, huge nation, and also improvements in printing press technology and so forth. But anyway, you've got multiple governments all over the place, all of which must be reported on, all of which are making quote-unquote news. But you've got a tenfold increase in the number of newspapers in a very brief period of time. And guess what? You better have a whole bunch more news to uh, fill all that space. And so news becomes not the once a month news, but the once a day news and the once a day news across multiple geographic locations. Then in the 1900s, news expanded in similarly dramatic fashion with radio and television. Suddenly you've got more and more yeah, broadcast. Yeah, 
more and more metaphorical column inches to fill with news. And then eventually you get cable news where you've got to fill a 24-hour news cycle and you've got multiple cable news networks. And then guess what? Along comes the internet and you've got an infinite amount of column inches to fill. And so the news that gets covered goes from, imagine reading the news only once a month. There'd be some pretty interesting shit in there. <laughs> yeah, I heard not. Whoa, wait, what? Instead, we're reading the news five or ten times a day. Yeah, minute by minute. Right? So anything can be news at this point. Every time Taylor Swift bats her eyelashes, it's news. Every time Donald Trump tweets Covfefe, it's news. And so news and media outlets have to fabricate news almost in order to meet this demand for like novel and interesting content. And that's how we get to the dominance of Taylor Swift and Donald Trump. And for me, it kind of came to a head the other day when I was looking at ESPN, as I do multiple times a day, and I saw this story about Shohei Otani hits batting practice home run when has that ever been news a home run in batting practice probably when Babe Ruth did it the first time that year probably when the Yankees won the pennant you know won the World Series next year I'll bet you the New York papers were down in Florida somewhere taking pictures of batting practice I mean I don't know if you've ever seen batting practice they hit multiple home runs every batting practice no I know but Otani it's like his first thing he's done as a Dodger they paid him what 700 million if if you're getting news once a month this batting practice home run is not going to make the cut right but if you're getting news 10 times a day it's definitely in and so I'm curious what you think about this concept of news inflation and about news having to get smaller and smaller in order to fill the insatiable demand for novel content. Yeah, I think so. Although I I look at the history of news and the current moment of news slightly differently. I think that what's strange about news was probably 1920-something until maybe 2015 was this period of time where there was an awful lot of money to be made in having a very good news brand. Most of the news, when you talk about like the 1800s, 1850s, you have all these papers and this explosion of papers. It's true, but most of it was junk. Most of it was political pamphlets. You get into, there's these crises that's going on in the 1830s, 40s in the United States where you've got like Kansas, is it going to be allowed to have state slaves or not? The Whig party collapses, which was already brand new, and the Republican Party is formed and they've got Lincoln. You know, I mean, like there was this huge amount of news, but almost all of it was like, it'd be more like cable news today. You had all these things, but they're all like pamphlets and bought and paid for stuff. It's not until later after the wars where the news starts getting serious and marketed and fact checked and like Hmm. really, really good. And even then, as someone who lives not in New York City, you start to recognize the massive bias in news where it's like, oh, there's a small earthquake in New York and it's front page news and half of Los Angeles falls into the mm-hmm. sea and it's mm-hmm. like the kicker, you know, mm-hmm. on the whatever, right? You'll never hear a, a Seahawks score or a, you know what I mean? It's just everything. It's like the world doesn't exist between DC mm-hmm. and Boston. And I think what happened with the internet, as you said, is like anything can be news. It also means nothing is. Mm-hmm. And so there's no permanence. And that I think is the bigger problem. It's not the insatiable need for all this stuff. It's that nothing stays long enough to stick. So when we see something like Taylor Swift and we're like, Jesus Christ. Taylor Swift is everywhere. I can't turn on an NFL game. I can't turn on a Fox News show. I can't turn on ESPN. I can't turn on anything. It's like, yeah, that used to happen all the time. That used to be Madonna. That used to be Whitney Houston. We used to have the attention span to have a star. Michael Jackson dominated. He was on every radio station, on every commercial, at the halftime show. You would not hear of anybody else in the 1980s. And then Madonna, and then all these different things. It's like, Taylor Swift's a throwback, not a new thing. I think what's interesting about Taylor Swift is that there's collective consciousness to Mm -hmm. follow anything. 
And hilariously, the collective conscience to follow things seems to be the best one at it seems to be the NFL. And Donald Trump. So then you take the NFL and you put Taylor Swift together. What happened? You had like the best NFL of all time. The weird thing is not that we have to come up with it. The weird thing is that we have so much stuff. Donald Trump says, Kofefi, that's one of 18 felonies he committed today, man. How do you even stop? And But he also is good at capturing our collective attention on the left, on the right. In the center, everybody's watching for sure, Donald but Trump. momentarily, and the specifics get right. forgotten. Same with Taylor. Same so with the Taylor fact Swift. that he's got ninety-one felonies, we don't know. NFL, Donald Trump, Taylor Swift. Is there anything else that captures our collective imagination that same way these days? On that scale, God, hard to imagine. Certainly, the wars overseas are sort of like a no. People have a short attention span for those, for sure. Oh yeah, they don't even. I mean, the coverage of that probably presidential race politics, yeah. but that probably goes under Donald Trump. Probably abortion. As an issue, it's probably big enough to like cut through everything, to like cut through everyone's attention at the moment, one way or another. I imagine that's something that will come through to most Americans. We'll probably have a thought about that. There are mediums that catch our attention, like TikTok has caught our nation's attention, but everybody's watching their own show on that. Nobody's watching the same thing. It's just a medium. Right. It's like saying, hey, America's really into television. Right. It's like, <laughs> exactly. yeah, but that could be a lot of things, right? Yeah, I agree. Taylor, Taylor Swift's weird. It comes back to them. There, there being no, essentially no mainstream. Taylor Swift is the mainstream. Yeah, because also what I think is interesting from your philosophical point of view about the gauze or whatever between us and reality, kind of nothing goes away. I heard that What's-His-Name is going to make four biopics for each Beatle. Who's doing that? Sam Mendes is. Huh, four biopics, one for each Beatle. Right, right. One for each Beatle. And I'm like, it's insane that we're devoting this much energy to a band that is now 70 years old. I look forward to those. And my hope is that Lin-Manuel Miranda would do the same thing for multiple different founding fathers and create this universe of musicals about these dead guys. Oh, I'd be much more... Hamilton captured our nation's attention, didn't it? It did. It did for a while in like a really great way. I think that's just amazing. You're doing like a reimagining of the founding fathers and a retelling of a story. That's what art is. And that's why I think the Beatles and doing a biography them is the death of art. Just enough with this shit. Let it die. Do we have to hear more of it? You're not doing anything new with it. You're just playing the old songs over and over and over and over again. Can anything at all right now be said that's new about the Beatles? No, it's impossible. Just like nothing new can be said at, about Donald Trump. There's nothing else to right. say. So it's why, why do we have to just keep zombieing this piece like it is the one thing our culture's produced i don't get yeah, it yeah it does it's feel that to way me. it does feel that it's like the it's one. just and like i'm hoping this is it do your four things have the boomers die and we'll just call it good with this okay because we've taken this hagiography as far as we can yeah no you're right you're dragging up dead members of this and recreating their songs and like ai let yeah. them go no but it is the only perfect thing that our culture has created it only thing that everybody can agree on is, and you can go back to beethoven or whatever and maybe make a case for all that stuff but like in modern day the last hundred years it's the one thing that we all agree is superlative what i completely reject that in every way and we may or may not have time for it but that's insane give me some counter examples in music or in all things anything baseball <laughs> baseball is a niche sport these days but for the last hundred years I mean, you're saying the only thing, and when you say we, do you mean Western culture? Yeah, I guess I mean Western culture inclusive of Europe. And then at least the peripheral attention of the rest of the world. Yeah, dude, I don't know. 
are the Beatles, it's just, that's what frustrates me is that I think there's no way they can be. But then I think like, dude, maybe people are just that into the stupid Beatles. I don't know. It depresses me. In the U.S., we have To Kill a Mockingbird that we can all agree on. And Dolly Parton. Dolly Parton. Keanu Reeves. Casablanca. Oh, God, that's so good. We should all agree on that. We probably do. The NFL. We almost all agree that the NFL is good. In America. In America. Outside of it, they're kind of interested. <laughs> I don't think so. They're just like, God, why won't they let this stuff die? They just won't play soccer. We got to check this out. They're so anti-soccer. What is it they're doing? This is my favorite thing about the United States, by the way. This is just where you're going to get angry at me. But I love that the United States just like won't give in to soccer. I love it. We're, it's, it's like us not giving into the metric system. Yeah. We're just like, nope, nope. You're never going to take this. Come get it from my face, tough guy. I just love it. It's no, just it's like true. the whole world is just, there is so much pressure to be like joined this fraternity of nations. It should be. The America of like 1991 should want to show its dominance here. And instead, it's just like, hey, you can go. You can go fuck yourselves. All of you guys playing soccer out there. We bring the NFL to you. Come and see this. Come to Germany and see what we're going to do here. I love it. It's so stubbornly refusing. No, you're right. And it's almost embarrassing for us as a nation that our men's national team team does care so much and they all go to Europe and play and they all want to play on these fancy clubs and win these tournaments. What we need is a return to the Kobe Jones and Alexi Lawless era where these guys were just like, huh? They play soccer outside of this country? I didn't even know that, you know, and they're just like, fuck it. I think the other thing is soccer, kind of like boxing. There's so many leagues. It's kind of hard to follow. Like, it's not just, it's the AFC and the NFC, you know, <laughs> your East or West NBA, the Eastern Conference or the Western Conference conference in soccer it's like oh well this is the the CONCACAF men's semifinal point spread and so like for a bunch of like baseball-y stat dorks that kind of makes sense but it's hard to cut through when like you've seen so many advertisements that are like for these mixed leagues and I have no idea what anyone's really playing in mm -hmm. it's like boxing like what belt is this mm -hmm. this is the light middleweight Vegas champion of what is it like there's no more there's no Muhammad Ali there's no heavyweight fight there's no this is the freaking game of soccer the United States plays unless it's the World Cup which is only four years so you can't do it right we haven't been able to collect a moment with it and maybe i've seen too many moments so i just don't trust it like oh yeah they always do this it's like the ufc there's a bunch of flashy stuff and then it sucks trump shows up like a bunch of washed up comedians sit there and watch two dudes just pound each other it probably is better for us to stop trying and just maintain our dignity quit trying to play or the world's game and like as if we're part of the rest of the world and not some weird separate thing which we are and always have been. I want government action. What I want is I want Joe Biden to defeat fascism by beating Donald Trump and then turn around and be like, we will make it our goal to win a World Cup in this decade and we will do it because it's hard. You know, just like really put on a program and just like code through and like pay a bunch of money to like kids who are about to go be running back somewhere. <laughs> like put them through a training crash course and just like turn us at like the space program. Just all of a sudden we're just so good at dominant soccer just to, so we can be like everybody be quiet now. That would be amazing and that that's the other thing we could do is just to win the World Cup and be like, fuck all you guys we're still just, the best. yeah just make it a point of national pride like hey everybody we're gonna get together with this one because we're just so sick of them uh -huh. talking about it like uh -huh. we don't know what we're talking about uh -huh. we uh -huh. win this and then we're gonna show them the nfl nfl you're participating i want every conditioning coach running like we're gonna money ball this game we're gonna tear it down look at it from the ground up we're not gonna play it like europeans we're gonna put these like big dudes in skill positions uh -huh. just, like just come in like the beaches of normandy on a man <laughs> just just nothing but raw american firepower <laughs> 
Let's get Jim Harbaugh on this problem. Yeah, dude. Just, just like, Europeans just have never seen like, anything like Jim Harbaugh. Yeah, Andy Reid is just out there and his windbreaker <laughs> just screaming at these refs, coming up with plays like, you guys got to put it together. I swear to God, I'll cancel the entire NFL and all of your money if you don't come up. You know, like that scene in Apollo 13 where, like, uh, you've seen Apollo 13, right? Sure, yeah. Okay, so they're, so they're going to the moon and it has a problem and they have all these problems trying to fix it. And it's like the whole movie is just like them fixing this broken spaceship. And there's this one part where the carbon dioxide scrubbers aren't working. And so they're just like, okay, guys, you got to take this and make it fit into this using nothing but this. And it's just like this box of junk. And it's just like a bunch of engineers trying to tape together something to work. You know? But we did it. And they totally did it. Like, we could do that with we the We could World do Cup. that. Like, that's it, guys. We went to the moon. We just landed on the moon this week. Everybody else is still trying to gear up, blow up their rockets. We're just like casually hitting, you know, our seven iron up to the moon. <laughs> Although. Like, not the kinks. <laughs> America's so dominant. Let's do it. Japan did just land on the moon, though. I will say that. What happened to them is they sent like a probe to the moon. And by, yeah, the, by right? the time the probe got there, its battery was at 12%. <laughs> Imagine <laughs> going all the way to the moon and then realizing your battery is at 12%. So charge oh, your devices, crap. middle brow listeners. Middle brow listeners, don't bet on the world beating us to the moon. But let's all get this. We should win the World Cup. All chant it together and just put the entire war machine of the United States behind one singular global issue. That would be not incredible. climate change, not Ukraine, just the World Cup. Indeed. All right. What's your third item? Okay. Have you heard of the No Values Tour? I've heard of the Family Values Tour. Mm-hmm. This is not that. That was already ironic. So I can't. <laughs> it was already. Phil. I can't imagine that the No Values Tour is somehow a, like a response. Like you know how sometimes you get like a type of bumper sticker, and then you'll get like response bumper stickers, and it's like this conversation <laughs> that's happening. <laughs> I can't imagine it's that kind of thing. So what is the No Values okay. Tour? It is a concert that's going to be at Pomona, California on June 8th. But let me just tell you about this lineup right here. The Misfits, the original group. Wow. Iggy Pop, mm-hmm. Social Distortion, mm-hmm. Sublime, oh, Bad Sublime. Religion, I guess what's left of them. The Damned, Suicidal Tendencies, Black Flag, True Sounds of Liberty, Black Flag. Jesus wow. Lizard, The Vandals, Fishbone. This is a group of all headliners from my youth in punk rock. Uh-huh. Right? And it is so great now to be a Gen Xer at this time because... Because the Misfits and Iggy Pop and Social Distortion and Bad Religion are apparently like the new Eagles. They're just all yeah. going to get together and yeah. throw a bunch of festival crap, right? <laughs> and like sell how about, how about the replacements? Yeah, yeah. They're not in there, sadly. But I got to see them. I got to see them when they went on tour last time, which was great. Like, I w- Here's what I want, though, Danny. I want the replacements at the Super Bowl, right? Like, go ahead and cater to me now. No more of the Stones and Paul McCartney and whatever. Like, now let's have Social Distortion play the Super Bowl. That's what I'm into. Or Bad Religion. They could do the Super Bowl. Dude, Bad Re- The Misfits could do it. Mm-hmm. No, they couldn't. It'd be a hate crime, probably. But I'm just saying, man, I love this, that like these obscure ass-whipping bands from my youth are now just mainstream concerts in Los Angeles all together. It's crazy. 
It's like I just I would not have believed it. That's a lot of like Midwest punk, if I'm not mistaken, right? And I bet the further you go down that list, I bet there will continue to be like bands that you've heard of. Like I'm surprised, honestly, that Jawbreaker's not in there somewhere. It's kind of a rough crowd for Jawbreaker. Let me tell you this. Can you imagine this? Why is Iggy Pop not the headliner of this? How does the Misfits and Social Distortion get above Iggy Pop in the billing? Must be an aesthetic choice. Oh man, that just seems weird. The Addicts, L7, the Adolescents, dude, they might be here, dude. This is just huge. I mean, all of these guys are like a concert yeah. and they're just all together. That's oh, wild. I've never seen anything like it. I'm really excited that I'm entering this phase of life. That's my news item. I have officially entered the phase of life where my stuff has been regurgitated, repackaged, is going to be sent back to me as nostalgia that I can just eat. Yeah, wow. Congratulations. I love it. This is the beginning of how Sam Mendes feel, which ends up with somebody doing a three-part background movie on the Misfits. Well, they already gave you the Obi-Wan series. Yeah, they did do that for me. That was nice. And they did give me Dr. Dre at the Super Bowl. That was that was for my generation. That was too. pretty that good. That was like for me. That was Dre and Snoop. And that's great. That's awesome. That's for me. That's not for my parents, thank God. Although Usher seems more for you guys. Usher seems like a millennial crowd. Yeah, Usher's a millennial thing. I never really listened to Usher, but he was ever present in my youth. That's for sure. Yeah, not mine. So what's next? If you've got these nostalgia concerts going that are equivalent to the Eagles reuniting and just touring the mm-hmm. country, uh, you know, and the Who. Yeah. And, the, you know, even the Stones to, to a the degree. Stones or Fleetwood Mac like what's next Fleetwood Mac I mean, so what's you know. next for your generation what's what's coming down the horizon are we gonna get like a new Tom Hanks Julia Roberts movie or, or like uh, oh what, god what are, what are we looking for here are we gonna do that well we kind of did that didn't they do like a Clooney Julia Roberts movie I guess what you need is a, a Tom Hanks Meg Ryan movie is really what it needs to be. Yeah. See, they did the Expendables where they got Schwarzenegger and Stallone and all those guys back together. But that's a little old for me. I want, like, Michael Keaton's Batman to be redone. Like, I need that to happen. Yeah. Like, I, I want, like, The Dark Knight Returns, like, old Batman comes back. And then I want... So, movies getting redone. That's probably something that's coming next. For sure. They're always doing that, right? Is there, like, a um, a generation-defining comic? Is it that Janine Garofalo for you guys? Or is it is it somebody who, who came no. before? Janine Garofalo. I always associated her with Gen X. Because <laughs> she was in like a Ben Stiller movie? Jesus, good Lord, man, no. Oh, I hope not. I don't know. Gen X comedian. You don't get to claim sole and exclusive possession of Seinfeld. Yeah, you probably do, though. Well, our generation grew up on he Seinfeld. He even might be too. a little old, though. Seinfeld, I don't think Seinfeld's Gen X, man. I think Seinfeld's no, I too old for Gen X. I think Gen X is probably something more like Mitch Hedberg. No, no, we claim Mitch Hedberg. Sorry, dude. No way. Dude, yeah. Mitch Hedberg's my age. Yeah, but we were still listening to him. But he was of my, so I, I can only pick people that are older than me? No, people that when I hear them as a millennial, I'm like oh yeah i always heard it like liz fair who will be like yeah i guess that was around but i wasn't listening to it at the okay time. i got one here's one for me because liz fair is one for me like liz fair feels very yeah, of my yeah. generation's music right especially the early liz fair like exile and guyville stuff yeah or like good. or like Hus- husker do where like if i'm ever listening to husker do it's because i'm doing like a history project you know i'm listening to it out of interest for something that came long before i was around <laughs> I'm surprised they're not on that band. I'm surprised, too. Yeah. Okay, I've got it. Norm MacDonald. Norm MacDonald. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, we liked Norm MacDonald, too, but you guys can claim Norm MacDonald. But McDonald. he's definitely my generation. I like, agree. He's suit agree. and tie. He's kind of ironic. It's a lot of sarcasm. Hey, did you ever hear about this thing? You know? Yeah, yeah. It's got that whole kind of... I'd also throw Conan O'Brien in there. No, we get Conan, too. Sorry, but you there can have you can have Leno. absolutely no way on God's green earth that you get Conan O'Brien. First of all, he is 
I think Conan O'Brien's like 65 years old. Oh, sure. But we, we were all, watching Conan. I, Conan I mean, O'Brien. I grew up Conan O'Brien Conan. came on. Yeah, I know. But he was on the air first when I was like in high school. Yeah. And I was and like. And that was exactly who it was targeted towards. It was not targeted towards 10-year-old Danny staying up late. Yeah, I don't know. Well, who's my guy? Carson? No, it's Leno. <laughs> Bullshit. Leno is the biggest <laughs> boober you've ever seen. Yeah, He's got true. that high-waisted acid watch jeans and a car collection. No, you're right. No, you're right. So it's not Leno. I get, I get Conan. You could almost give Xers Letterman. Oh no no no! You no you get you're right you're right you get Letterman. Maybe and Letterman's definitely like precursor Conan. It's wacky. It's weird. It's kind of outside the box stuff. Leno's like throwback to just safe whatever garbage. Yeah, Leno, Leno is incredible. <laughs> the, as a comic, he just does nothing and 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 I just can't understand the appeal. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know. I think you having Conan is absurd. I'm not saying we have Conan. In. I'm saying Conan is a shared asset. Okay, he's a shared asset. Because I feel a lot of possessiveness over Conan in a way that I would never feel possessiveness over like the Misfits or Black Flag. Those are historical. You don't feel any possessiveness over Janine Garofalo? <laughs> a little. Now that you, now that I know you guys aren't claiming her, I'd be happy to claim Janine <laughs> yeah, Garofalo. She's a, no, we, should, okay. we don't need Janine Garofalo because we have Sarah Silverman. What we should do is have a draft, Danny. We need to just like put all these things in and have a millennial X or draft. All the, all the, who yeah. gets to claim who. That sounds good. But there also needs to be criteria because you can't just say, I watched Conan O'Brien and therefore no, claim him. No, I didn't like, just no, no, no. watch I, Conan O'Brien. Conan O'Brien came on at the time when I was able to stay up late for the first time. I think Conan had enough staying power that he doesn't belong exclusively to you because as I grew up, he was an important figure in my like media consumption life. Okay. Fair enough. John Stewart, that's very Gen X. Yeah, you can claim John Stewart. That's fair. I feel like he is a very poster child for Gen X. But we get called Because his first talk show that he had... A, Colbert, fine, yeah. It's like another. I think that's good, and and I and I also think that you know, speaking of news events, I mean, John Stewart came back to like one day of the Daily Show, and while it was good, and he's awesome, and I like him or whatever, it's like, dude, time has passed that format by. Yeah, there's just no way I want to sit here and hear a list of jokes and then have a guest interview, and you know that's what I mean? True, I just, that's true. I, I can't can't imagine. So you guys get Clinton, but we get Obama. <laughs> you can have Pete Buttigieg. Yeah, we do. <laughs> President McKenzie. That's it. That's all you get. Pete Buttigieg, list is over right now. As far as you get Pete Buttigieg and you can have Bobert. You get Bobert. She's like 35. <laughs> she's a grandma, but she's 35. So that's yours. <laughs> All right, Pete, I got a little bit of whimsy for you. Let's hear it. I need some whimsy. This is a little something I heard that I just found hysterical. Do you own any smart home products? Yes. A smart refrigerator or a washing machine or like a doorbell, you know, or like a smart oven or TV or... I have a TV. I have some lights that are on, like a smart dimmer kind of thing. I've got a plug for outside. And you can like control it from your phone or whatever. Yeah. And from voice controls. Mm -hmm. Okay. And is your hot tub maybe a smart device that you can control from? the internet no but i'm looking at getting a new hot tub and all of them are more examples of these products there's bassinets that you can control with your phone and like watch it and give it like a you know rocket yeah. with your phone or whatever video game consoles internet routers even android phones baby monitors all of these things are examples of either smart products or like smart products in this very specific way that i'm about to describe so i learned something really fascinating about smart home products which is that if you own a smart home product there is a very good chance that it is being exploited 
exploited by bad actors from Russia. Oh, no. Yeah. So literally, we're talking about anything that can connect to the internet. So like your, what did you say, refrigerator or whatever? Uh, no, I don't. My refrigerator doesn't do that. I have some lights. Lights. Okay. So your lights can connect to the internet. How are they being used nefariously? What, who okay. do okay. what with my lights? Bear with me here. So they, each of these smart things that can connect to the internet has a computer in it. It's maybe not a very robust computer, but it has to be a computer in order to connect to the internet and to do all these little things and for you be able to be able to control your lights from your smartphone. The Russians know this, and they also know that the security on these smart home devices is usually really, really minimal. Less so for huge companies like your Samsungs and stuff like that, but particularly when you have a company, like a small company that's making smart home products, they tend to be really, really insecure. And so the Russians, they hack the shit out of these devices. And what they do is, okay, so you can imagine like Russia, and usually there's at least in one of these schemes, there's at least one smart person, one smart Russian involved. Somebody who <laughs> somebody who has like computer programming skills and can, you know. We give this one to numbers. He's studying St. Petersburg. <laughs> So the one smart person will write a code and the, it's a code that can go into one of these small computers in your smart home product and takes control of it. And then they get a whole bunch of non-smart Russian losers. Just some thumb breakers. Just some dudes. <laughs> Just a bunch of henchmen. Henchmen and flunkies. <laughs> Just whatever you've got in Russia. There's like, oh, you've created, you've created yeah. the latest product. You know, they, t they take it and they just spam it at every smart home product in America through the oh, internet. God. And so they send sure. out these codes and, you know, some of them have security and they can resist the code, but others, the machine, the code will take control of the machine and give control to like the one smart Russian people. So there's a whole army of Russian losers disseminating script, trying to exploit weaknesses in smart home products. And then once they gain it, they've got all this like ridiculous amount of computing power because, you know, you take a small number and you multiply it by a really large number and you end up with a really large mm -hmm. number. And so they take all this computing power and there's sort of three main things that they do with it. One of them is they send out spam, like spam emails. <laughs> so they'll send out... Can you imagine the amount of thinking and coordination across the world of this system just to send you some crap that you won't look at? They send you, they're sending you penis enlargement pill advertisements, Russian bride advertisements, digital cameras, you know, grannies who want to fuck you and don't live only 10 minutes away. Just massive amounts of Why are of there so many in my area? There's so many in your area, Pete. And the thing is- I know, I'm worried. The reason they do, the reason they do this, yeah, we should really be focused on like- My friends and family all live here. How come they're having sex with strangers so often? <laughs> Guys- so this it allows them to evade spam filters because they send it from 10,000 different doorbells instead of one central computer. And they just it, that helps them get around spam filters, because obviously, if you were sending it from one crazy Russian central hub of nefariousness, they would spam filters would just be like, OK, don't accept any emails from that computer. But they're not going to be like we should just sort of say that with Russia at this point. We should just take the entire country and fence it, geofence it, and be like, no, no. Russia can't email us, email us anymore. Well, so the thing is, I bet spam filters have largely done that, but they're able to, the Russians are able to get around it by ha having the emails come from our doorbells. Right. Oh, my God. That's awesome. The call's coming from inside the house. <laughs> it's your coffee maker that you programmed with your phone <laughs> is the thing that's sending you your grannies that are 10 miles away. The other thing and all you got to do is find out how to talk to them. 
the second thing they do is denial of service attacks. <laughs> so they'll get like they'll gather up like a hundred thousand, you know, an army of doorbells and refrigerators and barbecues oh, and such. And then they'll oh, no. they'll all they'll have them all try to access a page all at the same time and it just crashes the page. Yeah, for sure, right? <laughs> so you this can't is have an army of smart <laughs> So this is what violently this... walking in the battle. So this is what happened to the the DNC. If you remember when the DNC's page got hacked? No. It was an army of smart home products that all tried to access the DNC's webpage at the same time, and it just got shut down. And then they call these people, or they send them an encrypted message or whatever, and they're like, give us all this money, or we'll continue to shut you down. The way that they do this is is using smart home products. The third thing, thing that they do, which is maybe not quite as hilarious, is that they create fake social media accounts, and they post fake posts. And so they use computing power oh, yeah, to spread disinformation sure. and, and achieve you know whatever yeah, their yeah. goals are. Usually it doesn't compromise the functionality of the smart device, and so you're left with... It's just like a pass-through. You, yeah. Your smart device is like a relay for their horrible army. It, it's be turned into a zombie door knocker. It doesn't take 100% of the computing power in your coffee maker. It just takes enough to send an email, which doesn't take that so much of the, of the CPU. So there's a couple more twists, and this is where it gets a little darker. And then I'll give you my Whoa. take. So it's not just Russia that's wise to this concept. And Russia's using it for just stupid bullshit, obviously. But China does this as well. And nobody really knows what China is up to with this. However, think about where all of our smart home products come from or are made, manufactured, and in many cases designed, China. Mm -hmm. For sure. This is why companies like Huawei are demonized. It's because China, in theory, the Communist Party could tell Huawei to put vulnerabilities in the machines so that then the, and this, this starts to sound like conspiracy theory shit, but it's not. And so yeah, you got to understand how much the Chinese Communist Party controls absolutely everything it, in China. Exactly. So it would say, OK, Huawei, just put, put a vulnerability in every ring doorbell that you produce, send them all out there and then we can do all kinds of shit. And so this is why Apple is like ratcheting down control on all of its Chinese manufacturers. It's so that its users can't get hacked. And Android is not, which is why Android phones are highly vulnerable to these hacks that take the computing power in your phone and use them for these dumb penis enlargement emails. Androids are vulnerable to that. Apples are not because they're like, okay, you want to be an Apple uh, manufacturer in China? We're going to watch every single thing that you do, and you're not going to build any vulnerabilities into our stuff. Every one of you kids making a dollar and fifty a month, yep. you're going to turn out your pockets at the end of the shift exactly. and see if you're taking anything with us. Because I don't want any of my rich people getting dick emails. No, and I don't want you making these Death Star vulnerabilities and building them into the system, you know? You know what the United States should do is bring some manufacturing back to our shores. I don't know. It seems crazy. So the United States is not immune from this either. This is the other thing. Is You remember the Snowden, Edward Snowden information dump where he yes. leaked a bunch of files? I, you know, really had no NSA idea. NSA cables, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, he, so he, I don't know that he was the cables or maybe that was the second round, but there was the first round. And one of the things that he revealed is that the United States and the CIA were hacking into people's smart TVs, for example. Oh, yeah. And yeah, 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 right. just turning on the microphones and listening to them. They were also hacking like into- Like Batman. Yeah. And hacking into central relays for phones and text messages and just dragnetting the shit out of the United States of America and following persons of interest. So the U.S. does this too. Yeah. I was going to say, real, real quick though, I mean, the U.S. could do this to tremendous effect, right? Like, oh, every piece of Apple software has a backend for the- Pentagon to do whatever it wants, which I'm sure is probably true. And I'm sure the Pentagon could go to Apple and say, let me do this. And Apple probably has phones in the hands of world leaders everywhere. Their personal pocket 
<laughs> you know, is manufactured in China and designed in California. Yeah, it's interesting. And, and we would ne- that's the kind of thing we would never hear about if it were true. Right. You ever hear about Stuxnet? No, what's that? This happened a while back, and that's how you know about it. It was a uh, computer virus that was fed into these centrifuges in Iran, and as they were trying to get uranium down or whatever, and you have to do all these processes, this thing would slowly break it, and it just eventually burned out the entire place. Like, the whole facility was, like, destroyed by its own software, and it was this thing called the Stuxnet virus that was Hmm. put in there. Hmm. And uh, they talked to a bunch of these programmers at the time. This is, like, in maybe 2005 or something like that, right? a long time ago but they talked to these programmers who were just like i can look at this program and i can i know three people who worked on this Mm -hmm. and they'd be like what and he's like look there's only so many ferraris in the world you can look (laughs) at it and tell you exactly who made it there's only like five or six guys that can do this program this way and i see it and it's in an iranian thing i know americans are helping with the israelis and doing it Uh like there's it's just and that was years ago like I think the United States is a real good we discovered this and we release it through an intermediary mm-hmm, <laughs> that's mm-hmm. like kind of our jam Indeed. but I just love that idea of this dude just being like nope I know who wrote that <laughs> that's crazy so Pete I'll give you my take on this whole smart home products ridiculousness I find this absolutely delightful I love <laughs> thinking that shady Russian dark web agents are hacking into people's barbecues and lawnmowers and hot tubs and using them to sell fake penis enlargement pills to incels and send di- digital cameras to people who are confused about what decade it is sling supplements indeed i also think smart home products are kind of stupid personally and i love the idea of all these early adopter types getting their homes all synced up to be controlled from their smartphones and feeling really smug about it but having no clue that in fact almost all of the computing power from their phones is being used it's tied up in dick money. for <laughs> nefarious internet mischief and it's like you know that all that computing power is just put up in dick pills. Right? <laughs> so it's all in dick pills. It's, it's like, like all of it. All of it. The smart products get sick of being never used because they're completely useless. And so they moonlight like as Russian agents. Yeah, they're just totally passing it through. And I say, great. What a fine old world that we all live in, Pete. You know what's funny? I never experienced this because I grew up on the West Coast a little late. But I think if you were on the East Coast a little earlier in America's history, you experienced a lot of this with the mob. And the mob ran unions, right? Right? So what they would do is they'd get these uh, they'd get these deals on things like garbage carting, and they'd just go around and say like, "Well, we won't pick up your garbage unless you pay this rate." Hmm. And then X amount of that would just get all the way up to the mob bosses, right? And so all these companies just started building it in. You'd be like, okay, well, in New York City, I got to pay the five families. So that means the garbage rate's this, and that means this is that. And like companies just put up with it forever. And when any project was demolished, there'd be like all these scrap metal guys and all this stuff. And they would, all that money would go back to the mob. Like every blue collar transaction within like the New York, New Jersey area for a period of time had like mob prints on it, taking some piece of it. Mm And it's like, I've never experienced that. I, I've only experienced it unwittingly through my, through smart, my smart home, home devices. But like, dude, you just, it's just unavoidable. Man, they're just criminals are like ants. They're just going to get in whatever crack you've got yeah. and they'll just figure it out. Yeah. I love it. I'm down with it. I miss the mob. Let's do it. <laughs> well, that's all we got for you today, listeners. Stay <laughs> merry and stay middle, bro. Pete, any final words for the listeners on this fine day? I don't. It feels it feels a little dark and a little like Sisyphean. Like uh, I guess you got to throw your hands up. The the Russians are running all my devices, and uh, America's falling down the tubes. Checkmate, <laughs> Russia. Or I guess they've checkmated us. <laughs> I like checkmate. This is what you did. All of it came to this. Dick pills. Nice job, <laughs> Russia. <laughs> you beat us with dick pills. 
listening to the Middle Brown Multiverse. If you'd like to join our army of subscribers, you can do so at patreon.com slash multiverse. There's a free option or a paid option that gives you access to bonus episodes that you might enjoy.